Hello all. I'm not entirely sure how to start this, but here goes. Last May, I unexpectedly lost my brother who succumbed to some mental health issues that had become progressively worse as he developed as a physician and throughout his short career. In the aftermath, I found myself trying to put the pieces of my own life back together as I tried to navigate the loss. And I realized the loss was not just about losing a brother and a friend and someone who I was extremely close, but also this helplessness that I just could not help him. I think what made it worse is as he continued his practice and shared his struggles, both personally and professionally with me, I found myself minimizing some of the professional complaints he had, mostly because I have always wanted to become a doctor and put up with some of the negative aspects of a life in medicine because I thought sacrifice was important in order to have a fruitful and happy career in medicine. I'm still striving for that happy career. For the most part, I have because I'm very fortunate with the people I work with and, and the type of medicine I get to practice, but I find myself being troubled by the fact that there are so many people out there struggling and there's no real answer in sight. I tend to think a lot about the conversations that I had with him throughout the years from when he was applying to medical school, when he got into medical school, residency and all that. And I feel a little bit embarrassed about some of the viewpoints I took at the time and wish I could undo some of those comments that I've made. Now, when I talk to people, medical students, residents, fellow physicians, I just know that there's a lot more hurt and pain and suffering in the field of medicine for doctors right now than there was in the past. And I say doctors just because I know the viewpoint of the, of the doctors. I do think most healthcare professionals are struggling a little bit. Things may not be as advertised from the hopes and dreams you may have when you do choose a career in, in healthcare. And I know my view on things is very, I have an academic job, I get to do things that I like to do, and I work with great colleagues, but now I'm realizing that I'm one of the lucky ones, and navigating the healthcare landscape right now seems to be a little bit challenging and ultimately a little toxic to a lot of people. And that's not right. I think if you take a group of very talented, uh, altruistic people and put them through the healthcare process, what we're getting now is maybe a little bit of too much pain and suffering on the other end. And I'm not entirely sure why it's happening, but I think part of my grieving process has been to try to understand exactly what is going on. And I actually don't know where to start. In the immediate aftermath of the news, I took time off to be with family and just went through the motions of sudden loss of a family member. And to get to the other end of that grieving process, I've been actively trying different things, including exercise, Grief therapy, staying away from alcohol, uh, working harder, connecting with old friends. One of the things that has helped me a lot is talking about not only my brother, but what he was going through with my close friends from high school and college and med school who really knew him. He became a friend to a lot of those people in his own way because he was so lovable. Yet he had these demons that were accentuated by a career in medicine. I think there still needs to be a frank and honest conversation about where we are right now in healthcare, why people are suffering, what are the barriers to a good, healthy life in medicine. And I think 
as I search for answers, sharing my journey may be helpful to somebody out there who's struggling. I'm not doing this for any other reason other than to keep my memory of my brother alive in my head and heart. Second motive is I kind of feel a little bit guilty of not being able to help him as much as I wanted to. By sharing some of his story, maybe there's someone out there who is also struggling that may hear this one day and understand that to suffer is normal in this setting and you're not alone. And maybe we can talk about what drives us to be unhappy and in some instances in medicine. I tried to listen to other medical podcasts, storytelling type things on my drive to work to try to make sense of some of this, but I realized that everything in medicine now is becoming about branding. And a lot of the people that speak for us may not even be physicians or want you to buy a pair of scrubs at the end, which is all good, but we need to start having a serious conversation about not only what's wrong with medicine, but what keeps us going still. Why are we still inspired to do this? What made my brother continue to push forward in his career despite the fact that it was killing him? Maybe that will bring some peace to physicians who I think have real struggles mentally. And if I can provide a glimmer of peace to one person out there, then I think this endeavor will be worth it. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how to make podcasts. I don't know how to push myself out there. So I'm not going to. I'm just going to connect with my friends over a microphone and try to post it. And I'm hoping that we can crowdsource some of this and people who have successes in medicine will want to share their story for inspiration. And people who are struggling would maybe want to reach out and talk and we can create a community that's supportive and can foster conversations about the good and bad can be had. I'm completely content with my life now. It's just this big hole in my heart that I can try to close bit by bit. So I apologize for the poor quality of things, the lack of consistency you may see from me in this project, but I'm just doing my best and I'm really looking forward to connecting with people. So uh, I'm going to start with a conversation I had with my roommate and one of my closest friends from medical school who knew my brother really well. And hopefully after that, we can get the ball rolling with more. Hi, I'm Jay. This is Mike. I lost my brother, who is a physician, to mental illness. And for a long time, I struggled with processing it, and I still struggle with processing it. So some of the things that I relied on in the immediate aftermath of, of that news was just being around my friends and family and grieving with them. And one of the people I relied on the most, I think, was was you, Mike. Oh, thanks, man. You know, I, I actually felt kind of guilty because I came up there right after he passed and then I left only like I think I was only there like three plus days and and I uh, it's just another one of those times where you you feel pulled in multiple directions and you 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 want to be at more than one place at the same time and uh but no man I I uh I I wish I could have been there longer but I I I needed to be there I I didn't I didn't think anyone really understood um what was happening I didn't I didn't feel like anyone really got what massive event had occurred until 
you know, I saw you outside the airport um, and you came and picked me up, which is just so classic Jay. Like Jay's, um, you know, we lose Jay's brother and, and here he is coming to pick me up at the airport. <laughs> like you don't even normally do airport runs for, right? Who do you, who do I do airport runs? So let me be, let me be honest. I, I really just pick up my mom, you know, maybe Swanee, I guess if she was flying in somewhere, but other than that, like that's, that's a straight up Uber ride right there. But no, we, I, I hugged you and I, I, I needed to, cause I needed that, that physical, there was a, it was a selfish, selfish visit from my standpoint. Um, I needed, I needed that physical contact and I, I, I didn't, I still don't, I guess, know how to um, process what happened. Yeah. One, I appreciate you coming up. I, I think when you go through a very traumatic event involving losing someone, it can be very difficult to navigate it. You, you can never feel prepared for it. Emotions hit you in ways that you never thought were possible and you never wish it upon anyone else. And as you start processing it months later, it's much different than how it was in, in the heat of the moment. And I think in the heat of the moment, I always kind of wondered why people relied on other people to be around when, when grieving. I always thought it was a solitary thing, but the presence of friends and family is just something that you can't underestimate, even just as a simple distraction, whether it's driving to the airport or not. Uh, I, you know, I appreciated that. You're also then, a really social person though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But in the immediate aftermath, you know, I found out about my brother on a Sunday and then I was off from work for a bit, just in logistics mode, just taking care of things that you never thought you'd have to take care of or, or even know how to. Uh, and then the, the grieving part is just in between moments at certain levels. It's when you're driving and you hear a song or you, you pass by where someone used to live or all these little memories that you may have kind of hit you. And, and when those memories hit you, you feel a wide range of emotions, including some guilt, some anxiety, some shame, especially when you lose someone to mental illness. It's a much different feeling than losing someone as tragic as that may be to something like a, a long-term disease that you can see where someone's deteriorating like or cancer. Even, or even, or even like, God forbid, like hit by a boss. Right, like something yeah. that you could can get your head around a little bit easier. Right, it feels in some ways when something permanent happens related to mental illness, and this is probably my own bias speaking, but it almost feels more avoidable. Like ah, like like what what did what did I f up there that I didn't do that I wasn't supportive that I didn't notice something to, to fix it. it it's not like yeah. oh right like oh you died of a heart attack like damn i should have no like it, it feels like something you you should have taken care of even more so when in when in reality it's probably even if you know it's 100 percent there it's harder to deal with because the mechanisms in play in the career you choose or your social support network or whatever it may be it's not really that easy to solve even though yeah. when you initially think about it, you're like, oh, that should be, that, I, I should have done better there, you know? You feel a lot of ownership, especially with the relationship I had with him when we were so close. We lived together, we confided in one another, we, we traveled together, and I knew that things were not good. And uh, he would verbalize things to me that were scary thoughts. You know, the sadness and the frustration that I feel sometimes and the shame that I felt and I still feel was due to 
understanding what he was going through and hearing what he would say and being forgiving and sympathetic towards some of those things and not all those things. So I think as a person and what he was going through, I was very sympathetic for, but he was a physician and I am a physician and the way he would voice his complaints and concerns about his line of work were not in line with my day-to-day work and my life in academic medicine. And because I was relatively comfortable and happy, and I still am in the job that I have and the pathway that I chose, I became a bit of an apologist and kind of confronted him about his complaints in ways that I still feel a lot of embarrassment over because if someone's complaining you to you about something, apologist, you became an apologist for like the the medical system, the medical pathway, the medical system. Yeah. Yeah. This okay. idea that I dedicated so much for a field. I, I think I rationalized it by saying it's okay to go through these things because the goal is something noble of being able to take care of somebody or to be able to teach medicine. And for me, those are such noble causes that what you go through to get there is what you go through to get there. And everybody has to go through those things. And that kind of that bullshit that you go through makes you feel like what you're doing is worth it at some level for me. But what he was complaining about are things that I would just kind of dismiss. You know, he got to the end of the mountain and he didn't really like what he saw. So what was he supposed to do? Right. Like he was he was done with training. He got to have the eight to five job, not be on call all the time, make a good living. He didn't like it. He, he still didn't enjoy that day-to-day job, right? We both got to go into work tomorrow, and we're and it's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to be off, but but we're also, uh, what's going to happen tomorrow at work? We're excited. We want to know. We want to, it, it's something that we enjoy, right? He didn't, he didn't have that feeling. So it's like, well, shoot, I went through all this stuff, and I don't even have the feeling at the end of it, right? And then how do you navigate that situation? Because now you're already far down a hole you're far down a hole financially you're far down a hole emotionally just thinking this is my career i know what i'm going to want to do with the rest of my life you're down a a pathway where you told all your family that's what you were going to do which for you know a lot of people but particularly your family right like that's that's a big deal right that that your parents and you know all your family etc thought that that's what darshan was going to do for the rest of his life right um, yeah, and so, we don't really didn't have ever the bandwidth to support a change in that because once he went down that path, he was thirty nine. He was still paying back loans. He wasn't making like comfortable money the way he thought he would to be able to buy a place. You see all these other people. You start comparing, and he got caught up in that, and that is normal. Like I would give him shit for that, but that's like the normal thing. And I think we're so caught up in what we do and the pathway that we choose that we're able to forgive things. And me specifically, I have made so many sacrifices that I don't even think about because I was so wrapped up in this goal and I've achieved that goal and I'm happy with that goal. But then what's the collateral damage? I can deal with the collateral damage to myself, but I see all these other people hurting without avenues. And I feel like I was a tool to propagate a system that is deeply flawed. Right. What if you get to the end of that line And it's actually not what you thought it was. And the crazy part is what you end up doing at the end of that training, that whatever period of time, 
is so different than whatever you actually think it is. So it's not even like you really could, oh, well, if it's that, then then I'd be excited about it or whatever. No, you got to go, you know, deep in both as far as time invested, right? Thousands and thousands of hours, thousands and thousands of dollars. And the thing that we've, we have talked a little bit about before is all this training on how to, let's say, intellectually deal with certain problems but not how to deal with life in these larger institutions. How do you go out and get a loan to, to buy a house? How do you get a, how do you refinance your, your student loans? How do you get wanting to take time off from work? How do you explain that you don't want to take t- call or some additional training that maybe you're not, you don't want to do or ask for a raise? You know, it's a really tough thing. And for someone like Darshan, he really got ate up in the system. And I think that's kind of what prompted your tweet. Now, what exactly did you, did you, want, to, you want to read? Oh, this? Yeah. So after, you know, May, I was just going through the motions. I took a month off work. My, my place of employment was very gracious about helping me use some, some vacation days to, to take some time off and, and figure things out. I was never stressed about it. But I found myself trying to stay busy in order to deal with what was going on. And I would reflect when I was alone or in the car about like all the things that he would say to me and they would just play through my head like nonstop on a loop. And I started seeing a therapist, a grief therapist who has been single-handedly the most important tool to help me have a better thought process as I mourn. But in the heat of the moment, I was getting ready for brunch one day and I just was like, I need to just put some thoughts out. So I take a step back. Are you familiar with medical Twitter? Right. Yeah. No. Uh, before we kind of chatted about it the other day, I, I had no clue what it was. Yeah. So my field is pretty small and we use Twitter to share cases and talk about new tools and techniques. And uh, I joined to kind of see how people were doing things. Uh, eventually, it has become multifaceted, just like anything on the Internet it is kind of a dumpster fire. The, the good parts about it are sharing cases. It's used as a residency recruitment tool to show future applicants, like this is the type of case mix that you might see at our institutions. These are the type of people behind the curtain that you might meet. So I'm on it for those reasons. Um, it becomes a little bit messy. Like there's a lot of influencers and doctors who wanted to become famous off of COVID and all these, you know, you see the same people tweeting and commenting on every case as if they're experts. Uh, and so that dopamine hit from getting likes and, and all that kind of does take over I think, the intention behind being on Twitter. So I, I, admittedly, I struggle with my relationship with it. So I stopped doing that and I became like, you know, the guy in the corner, this kind of observes discourse without getting involved. But this one day I was like, you know what, I need to start for my own healing, like because of this guilt I feel about my involvement in my brother's mental health problems. I was like, I need to share the things that he saw and the things that I reflected on. So I wrote a stream of consciousness talking about how I was this person, or I felt like I was a tool of the system, propping up, being apologist, always saying, hey, it's okay. It's great to be a doctor. We're so honored and privileged. What we go through is fine, considering it. And then I talked about all the things that he would bring up with me, like how, you know, doctors at the end of the day are the biggest stakeholder involved that does ultimately just care about the doctor-patient relationship. And people use that against us for their own benefit, like hospital administrators, non-physician hospital leadership, uh, people that are you know, making policies without ever taking care of patients. 
and things like private equity, where they're investing in physician groups because they know that we work the hardest. You know, there are some things I said that I think resonated. Um, hold on, ultimately, so you, hold on one sec. So you put you put that like whole paragraph as type thing up up as like a tweet. It was like a thread they call it. So you tweet one thing and then you put a bunch of other tweets after it that are, it reads like a little story. It reads like a little story, and like and you didn't like edit it or it was just like yo i'm just feeling this i'm gonna put that up that's not very much that's not in your character right stream of consciousness was like all right i got like 10 minutes before i have to leave i'm just gonna write this out and i don't i have like 200 followers 300 followers and it's mostly like med students because those are my people gotcha gotcha and so you tweeted it yeah and then i went to brunch and then when i got home this was the first time in a while would you say brunch is your favorite meal no i hate brunch I, don't, I used I used to go all the time in New York, but now in LA, all the time. I go. I've just become a hermit. But Oof. I went to brunch, and I get back, and I check it, and it is getting a life of its own. Like I think it had like over ten thousand likes, a bunch of retweets, and I got text messages from friends saying it's in Facebook groups and all these things. Oh wow! And and why I had you, a lot of. You, what, why do you think so many people reply to it? Like, why do why do you think it, it got a life of its own in your own words? I think there's a state that people in medicine are in where they're sacrificing and enduring and burning themselves out. And it's rare that those feelings are voiced publicly because of the fear of retaliation and the fear that you seem weak but I feel very comfortable with where I am. You don't feel, so you, you feel, you feel weak. Why would someone feel weak? I could see the retaliation piece for sure. Right. I think a lot of people in medicine never want to show that it's hard or they never want to verbalize it because the minute you might say that this is hard is the minute where people are questioning whether you belong. And then you, you, you're forced to think that if it is hard, then you don't belong and you start questioning your own self-worth, which I, I think my brother struggled with a lot, is that things did not come easy in our arguments. He would say, you don't understand, you're high-functioning, you're high-functioning. Like, that was his retaliation. I would never say it like that. But he was just trying to voice that things are challenging. And I, things are challenging for me too. And I was just wrapped up in this world where I would never want to show weakness until this very moment. Could you Could you have gotten Darshan involved in some sort of, way that that he could have been fulfilled well the issue is i think he was always very compassionate and and liked taking care of people or helping people and he was very smart so where, where, thought, where could he be successful that's the thing he you would think somebody that's very intelligent and very very compassionate and cares about people would, would thrive in medicine you would think of all the places right yeah, but not in insurance world medicine, right? Right, and that's that's where I think my frustration with myself is, is I was like, hey, overall, you should be happy. I understand the frustrations. But now that I look back on it, I'm struggling myself with understanding why we allow these frustrations to build and brew. And we don't really talk about what these frustrations are. Right, and like, you don't even know how kind of right like it's not it's not natural to discuss your feelings about how you feel about a major force right like it's like 
oh, med school really bothers me because it limits my freedom to do ABC and that really hurts my whatever. No, you're not, you're not taught to really express those feelings. You're more kind of taught to figure out ways to get through it, right? And, and I think that's what we've discussed before is kind of how unhealthy a lot of the mechanisms we used to get through those types of things and how, yeah, maybe Darshan's an extreme example with regard to everything that maybe happened. But at the same time, there's a lot of people in the healthcare fields that are, are burnt out, that are depressed, or that have have felt that way at some point and have found ways to successfully navigate those situations. And because you feel that doesn't make you any less capable of doing anything you want to do in the vast world of healthcare. How do we define success as a doctor? Right. I don't, I I don't mean, know. I, I would say the first way I would define success is what what I mentioned in the beginning of this of just like, hey, we both got to work tomorrow, but we're both excited and happy to go into work and, and, and yeah. do what we got to do, right? Like that's something, you know, I remember Sundays going back to 10th grade or whatever it is, right? And it's like, ah, oh, Sundays are the worst. No, like I, I enjoy my Sundays now. It's a great day off, but like I, I look forward to going that proverbial Monday, you know, and, and see what happened since I was gone or, or whatever it is. And I think that is the first step of success, right? And I think if you don't have that where you judge it yourself and that's not judged through the prism of your parents' eyes, society's eyes, your culture's eyes, whatever it is, I think that really needs to be the definition of success. But yes, when you go through the very system that you may need to go through to be successful in your own eyes, there's many places and many times that you're being told that your definition of success may not be the appropriate definition. So personally, right, I'm not successful at all by med school residency standards in the sense that very rarely do I teach students or I have no academic appointment, right? It's very generic medicine. It's not overly exciting, unique medicine all the time, right? So I'm not successful at all in certain people's eyes, right? But I'm okay with that, right? I think that's really tough to be confident and maintain that feeling when you have to interact with a system that kind of tries to define things in a, in a different way or its own way. Yeah, I think the success aspect of it that I think me and my brother experienced was you do well and you keep doing well on tests and that is your reward. And once you finish everything and then you're on in residency, you're on a trajectory that's defined by the ACGME to just passively learn by just doing work. And Education may not be the focus of the program that you're at, which is something he voiced with me. And suddenly the people that you're trusting with your education are not invested in it. Where can you really turn to? You can't really switch residencies. You start getting trapped and the debt doesn't really help. So I, I voiced these things and talked about them. And a lot of people replied, sharing that they struggled a lot. But people said, not many compared to the positive outcome outlook, but there was a lot of negative feedback that I got. 
personal attacks. There was there's thirsty doctors that are trying to be influencers that kind of used me to say how bad I was, and people sent me well, emails. What, to my what you, I know you don't want to focus on the negative, but what was their? I, I don't see the negative side of it. So can can you just summarize their point in thirty seconds? Well, I talked about administrators, okay. and I talked about how there is this movement of physician and non-physician administrators that will use us people that just care about taking care of patients for their own gain. And then I specifically focused on administrators who get all these titles that I feel are things that are just known to them. Like if they do an emergency medicine course, they put that in. If they do a critical care. So their titles are like 14 stamps, including that they put that they put a bachelor's in. So I question why people would ever do that. Like if if we're here just to take care of patients. It's and- a very I mean, I think I think you were being a little funny. Um <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean I, I could see how people could get a little stimpity off of that kind of situation. And that's the and that's the tough part. People then want to hyper focus on that piece as opposed to the crux of what you're really saying, which is, hey, we are products of the system and the system has not given us the tools to be successful once we finally get out in our life and god forbid we're just nice people that are smart that got into this because we're first generation americans and this is the only way we knew we could be successful because we didn't know there was 600 other options and now we're far down this road and we're indebted and we're through our 20s uh, because we had to commit our, our life to med school and residency. And our whole family knows that this is what we're doing. And we're not emotionally well-adjusted because we've never been given the tools to become emotionally well-adjusted. What are we supposed to do now? Yeah, that I think an epidemic, right? Because I, I think from what we can, can count as friends through med school and college and residency, that's a lot of people there. The tweet was something that... I think really objectified how much people resonate with this topic. I think that's really what it comes down to, right? How many other people must be feeling like they don't know how to deal with this situation, go through all the hoops, and they're just not happy on the other end, and they don't know how to get there, and they think there's something wrong with them or their ability to be successful. Well, well, hopefully we'll get to do this again shortly. I think it's probably time for bed. All right, man. Until next time.